Hello and welcome to this latest edition of the Powder Blue Podcast. Our first time chatting since Phillies won eight in a row. And of course, they take one out of three from the Dodgers. Uh, so the winning streak ends, but things still feel a little bit more promising, right? So Frank Lowe's here with Jeff Moser. And Jeff, what, what, what do you think after those eight in a row? Oh, you know, Frank, uh, I'm a big believer in the law of averages. <laughs> and so... Uh, I did not expect for the Phillies to just, you know, obviously waltz through, uh, keep winning and winning. We knew when the calendar turned from the Nationals, who were basically at that point a double A team from talent because they traded away a lot of their their good players like Scherzer and Trey Turner, and then they had a COVID outbreak that almost relegated them to a maybe a high A type of team that uh, the Eagles, I'm the Eagles, the, the Phillies were in for a, a kind of a, an awakening with the Dodgers coming to town. And look, I mean. I, I'm not shocked that they lost two of three. Um, the problem is the one, and this is what we talked about. The trade deadline was good for them for what they did. They, they stabilized their rotation with Gibson. They got themselves a closer in Kennedy. It allowed them to move pieces in the right place. You're seeing Ranger Suarez as a starter where he should be. But the one thing that didn't change yet, right, is the infield defense or specifically the corner infield defense and Alec Baum at, at first base has been as bad of an experiment as, as Alec Baum at third base. And so that, that has hurt them. And I think that that's going to continue to kind of hurt them in games against really good teams until they, you know, figure it out and until they get Freddie Galvis back and, and we'll see what happens when Reese Hoskins comes back. But you know, that that's kind of hurt them all year long. Well, you noticed uh, yesterday, which was a must win, I suppose, if you already lost two to the Dodgers, Joe Girardi did not put Alec Bohm in that game. Yep. Uh, you know, it was like he could not put Alec Bohm in that game. Uh, Torres, of course, actually gets one of the, the key hits to give the Phillies one of their two runs. Uh, but but yeah, I agree with you. That left side, when Freddie Galvis comes back, and, and we don't really seem to know when, but it's ever keep hearing he's close. But uh, I assume he'll, he'll take a uh, rehab start or two at uh, either Redding or Lehigh Valley, whoever happens to be home at the time. But um, but I, th- I think they're going to they're going to shy away from him a lot of the time as they, they, they like this defense has made the difference in a lot of games. huh? Well, it, it has. And I would say this, you know, I'll ask you two questions and the answers will be very revealing. Who's the better glove at third base, Ronald Torres or Alec Bohm? Clearly Torres. Who's the better bat at third base right now? Well, right now. Torres seems to have the clutch hits. I, but I will say this, though, about Bohm. He has had a couple good months at the plate. Uh, that, that's been, I, yeah. you know, I think it was yeah, Matt Winkleman. Like streaky. Yeah, I'm not trying to say he's a bad hitter all of a sudden. I'm just saying, like, last year when he came up and he was hitting the ball so well, it, you could kind of overlook the, the kind of bad defense that he plays. But this year you've got a guy. This year he's not hitting the ball as well. He's, he's doing okay. But you got a guy in Torres who's playing a way cleaner third base coming up with clutch hits and, and generally makes contact. You know, he's, he's even if he is not going to get, get uh, on base, he's going to make contact. And, and I don't know how long it's going to last. He is the type of player that if you probably played him every single day in about three weeks, you'd be wishing for something better. But for what this team is right now, he is the answer right now. You need to win games and you need better defense on the corners. Yeah. Alec Bohm hit two, three twenty nine in June, very quietly mm-hmm. and July, 296. So now, uh, as I started to say, Matt Winkleman of uh, w- formerly of a few different publications, he had tweeted that 
you know, Alec Bomas quietly had a good couple of months at the plate. However, I, my response to him was he's had a loud couple of months with his glove. And, yeah. you know, that seems to be what has hurt the Phillies the most. Now, I actually said along the way, well, if Hoskins is going to be on the I.L., why not put put Bohm at first? You know, you felt like the, uh, the, the it might be better over there. Oh my and then, and then it, was, it was it was almost embarrassing how bad it was. Yeah. And, you know, last year was the thing about last year. You mentioned is bad, too, but it, it was also uh, kind of why you can't have small sample sizes of anything. Right. Because right. you thought, OK, he'll be passable at third base. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and he was OK at first base, too, because, you know, with the DH, they cycled people through and. I thought they did a good job with that, you know, getting getting different players a chance to be the DH, uh, try to keep them fresh. But uh, but yeah, this, I, you know, I've, I've said this before. In fact, I said this when he came up to the major leagues. I expect him to replace Andrew McCutcheon in left field when uh, McCutcheon's contract is up at the end of the year. But we'll, we'll see. I mean, they, you know, they might be worried, worried about doing that. Um, they seem to know all along that that his defense would be a problem, but. You know, they were just hoping to get through a couple years, I think. And, and as we yeah. said, the problem with with um, the, a move like trading him or moving him to another position, that's the kind of move that happens in an offseason, not during the season. Right. So two things on him also. One is that he, he confuses me because he seems to do a good job defensively on ball on pop ups, balls hitting the foul ground. I mean, he seems to be able to identify the ball in the air much better than he has at than he is at just the grounder through the hole with his lateral agility and his and his eyes and just being able to make the routine play it's very surprising to me and and when he was at first base i was at that game wednesday night when he was at first base against the dodgers and there was a ground ball that he didn't even reach for uh, he he i think he assumed the second baseman was there so he just kind of let it go by mm-hmm. but the, the way the defense was form, formatted he was not and it just looked terrible. And he just seems I'm surprised. I can understand a third baseman who maybe doesn't have a great arm, so he doesn't throw the throw to first very well, bounces a lot. But I can't understand one who picks the ball out of the air well, but doesn't play the ball on the ground as well. That that's a maybe you're right that he is a better outfielder in that regard. And then we'll find out in the offseason. The second thing on that is is even with his bat, as you mentioned, heated up, I would be curious to see kind of the slugging percentage stats, the extra base hit stats, because I do feel like while he is hitting the ball better, he's not driving the ball a whole, what you need from a a third baseman. Who's, who's going to be in the middle of your lineup. The home runs aren't there. I don't feel like the doubles and RBIs are there either. And I could be wrong about that. No, you're correct. He's, he's only slugging under 350 and uh, he's got on base percentage of 307 for 2021. Yeah. And OPS hitting is not really doing it for me. (laughs) Yeah, his power seemed to go away. I know one of his one of his home runs was what I forget which uh, maybe it was uh, who what Eric Sogard was was mm-hmm. you know the infielder was pitching for the Cubs in that Arietta game. I think that's I think that's where one of his home runs came. But he's only got seven home runs total, right. so you know you expected the the bat to be a little bit more powerful uh, than it's been. So uh, so yeah, so an OPS of six five five. I mean, compare that to Torres, and <laughs> Torres does have a better OPS than who was supposed to be your power hitter. Right. So what, do you, so what do you do, Frank? Do you play Torres every day at third base from until like the bat cools off or, or, or do you just do it no matter what for the defense? I, I, I make sure 
I make sure that every Kyle Gibson start uh, or every Zach Eflin start, mm. he is not playing defense. Um, those two guys rely on ground balls a lot and they'll get, especially facing a lot of righties, <laughs> right? They're good. A lot of them are going to go to third base. You, 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 you know, they've always said pitching and defense wins. Right. And so no matter how many times you try to build a team that just smashes the ball, you know, it's, it does, it's not going to work. It's going to catch up with you. So right. a guy with an OPS of 655, I, I don't think he's making up for all those errors and, and all the misplays that don't get called errors. Right. I mean, I, how many times has he not gotten an error? And it, it could have been right. I, and, and I think also along the same lines, every game that you're winning after seven innings, you need Torres in there in the eighth and ninth and, and Galvis, when he comes back, you can do some things with, but I mean, you, you just, you have to have solid infield defense. You, you just can't win a division without it. Yeah. 15 errors this year after four. Yes. Yesterday, yesterday, <laughs> yesteryear, I suppose. Uh, after 15, uh, 15 errors this year, after four, in 2020 in 38 games so and that only tells half the story i mean the other half is the balls that he just simply doesn't get to yeah that are that are gettable and and you know i will say this if you normally have a really good shortstop that might make up for it uh we know dd has struggled a little bit this year i guess a lot of it because of his health uh but you know you could tell when dd gregorius is feeling well and when he's not right yeah (laughs) you see a different dd each time and, and dd is uh not in a position when he's got a sore elbow to, to even make up for, for some of that. So, mm-hmm. so watch for the Phillies to do something about that now. So um, in this off season, now what about the, the bullpen? I think we need to talk about this bullpen because right now the start, as you, as you mentioned, Kyle Gibson sort of rounds out this rotation uh, still down Zach Eflin. Hopefully they get him back in a couple of weeks. Uh, they still don't know what they're going to do Saturday for a starter. It looks like, but, uh, but if, you look at the bullpen right now, <laughs> Enyo de los Santos, Mauricio Yovera are both occupying spots in this Phillies bullpen. And it's kind of a tale of two bullpens, right? Because, you know, Tuesday's game with the, the Phillies are down. I know it's only a run, but it's the Dodgers, right? So um, the offense wasn't really doing a whole lot that day. And and eventually you have to turn your bullpen over to the to the part B, I suppose, right? Mm-hmm. So you have the good side that that has certainly Archie Bradley and Ian Kennedy and, and even Hector Neris, who's been very, very good in those middle innings. Uh, then you got, you got the B part of the bullpen where it's, it's, <laughs> it's like the other, the other team gets to feast on them. Right. So we've got uh, <laughs> what, what do you do when you have Mauricio Yovera and Eniel de los Santos in your games? You pray that you score 10 runs early and that you never have to go to them or that you're up by seven when you, if you do. I mean, it's bad. At, you, you always have a mop-up guy, but they have two guys that are really just mop-up guys. I'm and still – I have to look it up. I'm not sure, but I'm, I, I'm, I said this once before. I, I'm pretty sure Eniel De Los Santos has not gotten anybody out ever. And <laughs> um, Mauricio Llovera is trying to challenge him for that, for that title. I mean, they're – they're they're not good right now. Um, I'm not sure that they they've ever been good, but they are hurting the team by having to be in the bullpen. I mean, they, even in mop up roles, you're trying to get some outs, and these guys aren't can't do that. I'll give you another name too. Uh, David Paulino joined the bullpen yesterday. Now Paulino has not played in the major leagues since 2018, <laughs> and uh, had a four and a half ERA at AAA. So I, I think the Phillies are really grasping here. Um, Matt Moore is technically a member of the bullpen or is he, is, is, is he going to start Saturday? They don't seem to know. Uh, and, but I will say this, David Paulino, as of right now, 
just me sitting here with you on Friday morning is scheduled to start for the iron pigs tonight. So I don't, I don't know what's, I don't know if there's a roster move coming or something else, but uh, the Phillies need some of their injured arms back. Now, um, Sam Coonrod, it looks like Sam Coonrod is not going to be a factor anytime soon. They mm. Phillies put him on the 60 day injured list. Uh, he hurt his elbow trying out a new pitch and uh, that's all they needed. <laughs> what's that? <laughs> I mean, just, you know, a guy getting hurt, trying out a new pitch. I mean, if that's just not a story of the Phillies bullpen for the last two years, I don't know what is. Yeah. And, and I did see Sam Coonrod pitch uh, a rehab outing at AAA. That one went well, but then the next one, he re-aggravated his injury. And uh, because of cannot, course he did. Yeah. He cannot be. So with the 60 day IL now, he can't be back before September. I think it kind of comes out to if, if at all, but maybe that's a sign. They're not very confident. Um, currently on the 60 day IL is Sir Anthony Dominguez. Now mm. he's pitching now with it. You know, I, I think we've said in the past that thanks to his Tommy John surgery, which I believe was last June, it's kind of a wild card if he can help them or not this year, right? He's got, uh, um, you know, usually they say it's 12 to 18 months to recover. So uh, June would have been 12 months. So we're going about 14 months right now. And he's pitched four uh, rehab appearances so far. So he's got three scoreless at Class A Jersey Shore. And he joined the Reading Fight and Fills. Got a little roughed up in that one. Two-thirds of an inning, four right. earned runs. So, you know, it's, I, I think after watching that Reading outing, he's kind of a wild card as to whether he could help you or not. But uh, he looked he, he looked OK at Class A. So uh, well, we usually, keep... right, with these, with these injuries, right, the Tommy John, um, when guys come back, they tend to have the same velocity if, or better it's just that it takes a little bit to get the command and the control back. But you feel like with a starting pitcher, that's obviously very important. With a, a reliever, it's still important. But if you're throwing in the upper 90s, right, and, you know, you have some semblance of an idea where it's going, I think that could actually help you. I mean, I'll take Sir Anthony Dominguez throwing upper 90s with eh, body control over De Los Santos or Yoveria any day of the week. So I kind of hope that, he's they as they monitor him here frank you just hope that the velocity is there and that he's got some semblance of control um because i think that there's an opportunity for him to come help this team you know at the end of the month or or in september i should say um if especially if they're you know hopefully i can't imagine they're going to be out of it by then so he could really be a big wild card for them so uh mark cram if you you know who mark cram is he covers the uh, minor leagues often um and at cram 207 on twitter I recommend you follow him. He's, he's always keeping track on these. He's somebody I look to every time I'm trying to figure out what a guy rehabbing is doing. Uh, but um, he, he has actually has his velocity of his pitches listed. Uh, oh, nice. His fastball, it says, now he has a question mark next to it. Allegedly, he had a 100-mile-an-hour fastball, <laughs> although, although Mark says, uh, I don't think that was 100. Uh, but they had him his fastball, 94, 95, 96. So um, that could be a good sign. Uh, that, well, that's a great sign if that's the, what he's already throwing at, you know, just uh, into his rehab. So obviously there, that means there's room to grow. Yeah. And the sliders coming in, uh, in sort of the upper eighties. So uh, okay. 86 to 88. So, so that that's good. So as if he gets that command back and he, and he does have some velocity um, that, that that's something to, to look at there that, uh, that maybe he can help you. Uh, but yeah, but, but Mark's site, the horn and I recommend you check that out. Cause he's, he's all over the iron pigs and writing fight and fills and uh, 
definitely definitely my guy to go to for that. All right. Also, also at Lee, uh, rehabbing last night at Lehigh Valley was Bailey Falter. Falter almost in the rotation, then contracts COVID. He got rocked with COVID, and uh, they're hoping he'll help you in the bullpen at some point soon. Which is which is a shame because. You know, right? How badly could they use him right now? A lefty who can sort of fill the role that Ranger Suarez used to fill. Oh, obviously. I mean, especially with Alvarado also down right now. I mean, they need someone who can come in, be that lefty, get a couple of lefties out in the lineup, especially against the good teams. You know, I mean, they're 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 really hurting right now. It's a feast or famine bullpen. I think you have trust in Archie Bradley. You have trust in um, in Neris at the moment. You know, I always think that the the around you know the shoe is always about to drop he has he's very streaky but right now he's performing well in his his role so Naris Bradley and of course Ian Kennedy coming in but there's going to be close games along the way and you're going to need somebody other than those three to come in and get you some outs and until Falter gets back and until obviously with Coonrod out um and until Alvarado gets back it's going to be dicey Frank I mean it's just it's just going to be well I mean potentially you could replace Yovera and De Los Santos with uh, Dominguez and Falter. Yeah, but, but how, how long is that? How far away is that? that, that that's a that, couple of weeks. That's a great question. Uh, but at least it feels like there is reinforcements coming, right? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just feel like the games that the Phillies are going to get down early, they got to go to the, the, the B bullpen, and then they'll never have a shot. Right. And then the ones that they're, that they're competitively in, then they just go to the good guys. Now, um, they're going to have... Uh, three game series now against the Reds. Now the good news is uh, they're gonna they're gonna pitch Aaron Nola, who looked very very good against the Dodgers. By the way, what a bummer was that? You had a pitching duel, Scherzer and Nola, both of them dueling, uh, mm-hmm. no no runs, bunch of strikeouts, and then the rains came. Yeah, that's <laughs> so. That's so but uh, but they're gonna they're gonna pitch Nola and Wheeler during this Red series, which is good because you want them against the Reds before they face the Diamondbacks, that are I will say less of a challenge, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you you got to hope that, that they can go deep enough and they can save some of these a arms so that you don't need to uh, <laughs> you don't need to go to the B guys. I mean, I, I mean, really, we were in a situation where uh, Enel De Los Santos just has to come in. Right. Even in games, the Phillies are ahead. Right. The Nola thing is tricky, though, because I agree with you. I mean, he was pitching really well and it looked great. Then the rain came. But I think it was what the start before that or two starts before that where he also had four really nice innings and then just completely imploded in the fifth. So, you know, I was kind of, I'm looking for, for this guy to string together two or three really nice quality starts in a row. And it seems like we haven't gotten there yet with Aaron Nola. So I don't even know what to expect against the Reds, but I do think we should give Girardi some credit. And I know you you've talked about it on Twitter for anticipating the rain the next night and then starting off the game with um, Brogdon and then Neris and then going to Gibson who amazingly, I was at this game, was amazingly threw over 100 pitches when it was, it felt like it was 120 degrees. By the way, every time <laughs> someone throws over to first base, when you're in the ballpark on a 100-degree on a night, you just want to pull your hair out. <laughs> <laughs> so the rain didn't help pull that decision. down, huh? Yeah, no, no. That was a good decision by, by Girardi, and I don't know if he gets enough credit for that. That was, that was um, because think about it, if it didn't rain, Right. He would have gotten sauteed. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work out. Well, you know what? Here's where it really helps the Phillies, because the Dodgers, they ended up having to, to go with a bullpen game on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And uh, David Price did start the game. And so he, 
price didn't come back after the rain. So the Dodgers really kind of had to stretch out their bullpen and, and right. who knows? I mean, the Phillies only got two runs on Thursday, but maybe, maybe those, the, the tired bullpen helped contribute to the Phillies winning Thursday. Yeah. Unfortunately, David price had also had an RBI, I think single or double. Hey, hey, that that's game. right. <laughs> that was, that was very unfortunate. So he did yeah. his damage before he had to get out of there. But no, you're right. It, did, it wound up benefiting the Phillies, not just that day, even though they lost that game, but then the next day to be able to do that. So, so, so very, very interesting there. So Gibson, of course, won't pitch in this, this red series, but he will pitch against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, by the way, uh, before we get off the uh, injuries, so Reese Hoskins should be back on Tuesday uh, when that series against the Diamondbacks starts. Sounds mm-hmm. like it'll just be the 10 days. So we're all worried about the pitching injuries and taking the offense for granted, but right. Reese Hoskins will be back then. All right. So let's talk about Wait, this, this real quick. I wanted to ask yeah. you this because I don't want to look too far ahead, but that's what we do. I was thinking a little bit about next year because I know Gibson is under contract for next year as well. Kennedy is not right. Kennedy is, is done after this year. Correct. But you look at next year's rotation, right? With Wheeler, with Nola, and you know, whether you want to count Eflin as a three or four or Gibson as a three or four, and then Ranger Suarez potentially as your five, or honestly, I think that they're, Ranger Suarez may have four potentials. I mean, he's he's where he should be. He's never going to be overpowering, but he's going to be that crafty lefty who is unflappable. And I start to think that that's not so bad of a of a rotation. The only thing is you don't like you don't know that Kyle Gibson is going to be next year what he is this year because his kind of resume says that he's kind of good one year, not so good, then he's good, then not so good. But even if he's your five, right, if you if you can get Eflin and Suarez as a four, I guess I'm trying to talk myself into being somewhat optimistic about the Phillies not needing to make a ton of moves financially. Like just, you know, the way the money they wasted on on bringing in Matt Moore and, of course, five million to, to Hector Neris, right, to not even be your closer. I feel like they'll have better, especially for Dombrowski here, better allocation of funds. This offseason, um, when you know they're going to make some moves and, and, and the little confidence saying that they've got five guys, you always want to have depth, but they've, they've got like a decent enough rotation that you can come back next year and compete with, assuming that, you know, Eflin, Gibson and Suarez are either what they are this year or even a little bit better, not worse. Yeah, I mean, at least on paper, it looks like they could have five guys, but as we've seen time and time again, you Something need way more happens. than you need way more than that, right? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I think they're hoping they'll have next year is uh, thanks to a couple of those moves with with Hans Kraus uh, coming over in that deal with with Gibson, which yep. um, I, I, I think there's a the potential that Kraus pitches better than Spencer Howard <laughs> for, the, for that a would career. Be an amazing, that would be a yeah. fleecing of a deal if that happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but they'll have Kraus, uh, Tyler Phillips. They added to the rotation. Uh, I think he's currently hanging out at double A, but could could pitch mm-hmm. in triple A. But I think they're trying to get some starters, young starters at AAA next year that they can summon when they need them. Sure. So I think that's 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 a couple couple moves that are that might help them next year in that they don't have to be in the road. They're not counting on them to be in the rotation. But but right now, there's no AAA starter that you could just pull up and say, hey, you're going to start for a game and go back. Right. No, that's it's very bad. (laughs) It's very bad. The depth that they have. We've known that for a while. I also wonder what kind of market there will be for. Kennedy this offseason. He's a closer. They tend to get overpaid, especially when they do well, but he's also not a spring chicken. And I don't know, it may, it may we'll see how many teams are looking for an Ian Kennedy in the offseason, but he, he may 
have a stable price tag. I don't know how much the Phillies want to spend on that. I mean, especially with Sir, years Sir old. Anthony coming back. Yeah, thirty-six years old. He only made like two two million and some change this year. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's kind of, he's kind of one of those guys where where late in your career where you don't know who they are or what they're going to be. Right. It kind of keeps the price down. Uh, so I mean, it's certainly been a bargain for the Rangers. Uh, but uh, but but yeah, you know, maybe maybe you consider taking him back. Um, you know, you look at the uh, free agents uh, out there. Um, they, there's a trio of Andersons uh, from the starting uh, <laughs> Brad Anderson, Chase Anderson, Tyler Anderson, the one who was almost a Philly. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, do you want to take a, take a, you know, sign a Tyler Anderson type? I mean, the Phillies were interested in Tyler Anderson this year, right? Do they, do, do you want to get him and try to make him some depth for you? Uh, I don't think he'll be that expensive from the starting pitching uh, side of things. So, so maybe add somebody like that um, who, who can, who can help you out uh, perhaps as a long man and then uh, make some starts too. If, if he's willing to take that role, I mean, he's, he's been exclusively a starter, but, right. um, but, uh, but yeah, he's been pretty good by the way, for his three first, his first three starts with the, with the, with the Mariners. So shame, shame that one got away because he'd be really helpful right now in place of Zach Eflin, huh? I think so. Yeah. I was kind of excited. Well, not excited, but I thought it was the perfect kind of guy that they needed when that the reports of that deal coming down, and then it fell through. And <laughs> so I don't know. Do you think they would have made both deals anyway? I'm sure that they I, still I would have so. gone and made the deal with Texas. Yeah, I think so. You know, the Phillies ended up trading one of the two prospects in that Pittsburgh deal mm-hmm. to Pittsburgh anyway. <laughs> so, right. Right. So, you know, picking up a potential relief arm that's that's stashed at AAA that didn't need to be on the 40 man roster yet. So um, so I would I, I, I'm you know, I wouldn't have been shocked if they did both because I mean, um you know, Anderson is a free agent after the this year, and, mm-hmm. and but but they seem to mainly focus on the the Gibsons of the world who who had more control. So right, um, they traded uh, Spencer Howard. They wanted more than one year of a pitcher, and they wanted a prospect. So uh, mm-hmm. I mean, kudos to uh, Dave Dombrowski for for getting that. So, uh, but yeah, so this rotation could play out a lot better. It would be nice to see you get some um, you get some depth uh, and. Um, stashing some guys at AAA who can come up and pitch would be would, would be wonderful. I, I will say this, too. I mean, Bailey Falter, something to think about. He was going to mm. get his chance in the rotation. I mean, it's that's that's the sad thing about all this. You know, right. um, he, he ends up with a rougher case of covid. You know, a lot of people saying, well, if you got if you had taken your vaccine, you, you could have been back and 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 effective, um, even if even if you caught it with a vaccine uh, and in the end, you know, how many chances do you get to be a major league starting pitcher? Hey, for some, it doesn't never happen. So <laughs> I would, I, you know, who knows if it'll change his mind, but it's obviously hurting the team right now. Yeah. So, uh, but, but here's the question. Will they consider falter for a spot in the rotation next year? Or do they, do they do one of these fake, uh, you know, fifth starter competitions where they know who's going to get it and they just <laughs> say, right. Hey, Ranger and Bailey, go compete for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, you no, know it's going to be Ranger. Point. I, it's going to be hard to beat out Ranger. You and I have liked Ranger for for several yeah. years now, and and we've also felt that his best role is being that in the starting rotation as a four or five. I imagine he can be one of the better four or fives in the league. Yeah, and, and you know he was great in the bullpen, but people forget how good he was in 2019 too. Right, um, he right. was really good in the bullpen. But um, I love how he fields his position. By the way, I mean that's part of the whole unflappable thing. Pretty athletic off the mound. Gets everything hit back to him. Lots to like with Raider. I, I, you know, I don't know what his 
highest ceiling is, it may be what we're seeing now. I mean, I don't know if he can get any better. Um, it's not like he he needs to add a pitch because he's got a pretty good changeup, decent fastball for a lefty. Um, you know, maybe if he can, you know, work a, a backdoor slider in for right-handed batters, that that might help him. But I kind of like with his arsenal as it is. And um, I, yeah, I just, I just think that for we've been waiting for this for a while, and we finally got him in the position where he should be. I'm looking at, at Falter's numbers when he was a starter at AAA. He never really went above five innings. So, mm. um, so I don't know if he's uh, he, he's really been that stretched out. But we'll see. I mean, Falter may have lost his his one chance, uh, but uh, but certainly he can help the Phillies uh, in this bullpen uh, once once he comes back and, um, and 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 into next year, right? So I mean, uh, maybe maybe he's the solution if you need that sixth mm-hmm. starter because you never seem to have enough. Uh, as you as you go. So, all right. So let's talk about this this uh, this this division race now. So, the Phillies, Braves, Mets—they're all kind of bunched together at the moment. But where do you see this going? You know, that, that's kind of the question. Can the Phillies ward off the Mets and the Braves to win this division? Yeah, the Braves are kind of sneaky. You know, being the Braves, aren't they? <laughs> they're not. They're not out of it. Excuse me. They made some moves at the. Um, at the deadline to really, they basically rebuilt their outfield, right? I mean, yeah, the trade deadline and they're right there, you know, game behind. So um, I, there's just something about their pitching, Frank, that, that makes me think that I, I don't believe in them, but I got to say of, of, of all the NLE's teams, all five of them, the Braves are plus 59 in run differential and every other team is minus. Mm-hmm. So they can slug it. <laughs> they, they can certainly hit it. And um I, I always I always find run differential to be a pretty significant stat. You know, I mean, it's kind of weird that the Mets and Phillies have scored fewer runs than their opponents this year. Sometimes that stuff is telltale. And, and, and um, you know, by the end of the year, you get to it kind of comes back to haunt you. So I will say this. I will say this. You know, they, they get a whole new outfield, right? So their left fielder gets arrested. Their yeah. center fielder is one of the most prolific players in the game. And, and he gets hurt now for the year. Um, so they they add they bring in Jorge Soler, uh, mm-hmm. who uh, went started off at a torrid pace. He was like five for his first eleven with the Braves. Adam Duvall, who, uh, who right now in the season he's hitting two twenty five, but had a nice little rebirth. Yep. And then and then Jock Peterson, uh, who who joined them just in time to to bother the Phillies, he's only hitting two forty one on the season though. Right. So I, I gotta wonder if those if this new outfield though is going to kind of come back to earth, like yeah. like. Did they yeah. did they get a boost of adrenaline from joining a new team or sure a little novelty uh, yeah yeah uh, but but at the end of the day they're they're still on paper at least a two hundred five hitter a two twenty five hitter and a two forty one hitter right I mean outside of Freddie who in that lineup is really really scaring you right now uh, that's a great point they're also not a great home team I mean they're only like two games above five hundred at home hmm. compared to the the Phillies who are twelve games up and the Mets who've been really good at home I think they're like 15 or 16 games above 500. Now I, we know Atlanta's not, you know, the best sports town in the world compared to Philadelphia and New York. But um, when you, when you're struggling to win your home games, that, that really comes, comes back to haunt you uh, when you're playing all those division games at the end of the year as well. So I uh, look, it's a, it's a wide open race. Um, you know, at any given week, thing can happen, whether it's an injury or a guy gets hot. I mean, right now the Phillies are, are really riding Bryce Harper offensively. And when Reese comes back, I think that gives them a nice little one-two punch. 
we haven't talked enough about Bryce really picking up his game mm. since the the All Star break because he's, you know, I feel like this town sometimes gets on him a little bit too much. Uh, he could, he's only one person, as we've seen with the the Angels, both with Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. You can put the greatest numbers up in the world, but if the team around you is not good, it's not going to matter. But he's done a really good job. He's been getting on base, been coming up with home runs, clutch hits, and they're riding him right now. And so. I think of all three teams, right, with, with Acuna out for the year and with the Mets not really, you know, Lindor has, has had a better second half, but he hasn't been. I, I don't I think Bryce of, is the player who can who has shown he can put it, the team on the back. You have not seen that yet out of um, Pete Alonzo. And I don't know who the Braves have without Acuna that can do that. I mean, Freeman's Freeman, good right? I'm sorry, Freeman. Freeman's MVP. I shouldn't shouldn't say uh, uh, otherwise. But Freeman's had a good year. Bryce had a good year, and the Phillies are in first or are ahead of them right now. And I think the Phillies have a little bit better pitching all around. I can't believe I'm saying that. Yeah. Than the Braves. <laughs> so I would have to say I think I, I do think the Phillies and Mets are the two teams right now that are going to fight it out. And I, I, you know, I I think I'm getting lulled into thinking the Phillies are going to do this. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm looking at this. I, I could see the Phillies actually dropping out of first place over the next ten games. Uh, just just briefly, because mm-hmm. the Phillies are, are going to face the Reds. Then they face the Diamondbacks and then the Padres. Well, don't the Mets have the, the Dodgers coming up themselves? Well, the, the Mets, the Mets, I think, are going to have an issue because they're going to face Giants, Dodgers, Dodgers, uh, right. Giants, Dodgers, Giants. But yes. the Braves, listen to their next three series. No, the Mets have Dodgers, Giants, Dodgers. Yeah, Dodgers, Giants, Dodgers. That's it. Yeah. So I, I think I think I think that's going to knock them out. But the Braves. Mm-hmm. Nationals, Marlins, Orioles, back to back to back. I think they're going to go on a little run here, mm-hmm. and then you're going to get a little nervous because it, you know they'll, they'll overtake the Phillies by a game or two, right? Uh, and then they'll come. Then then things will work itself out because if you look at the whole of the schedule, I think that the the, the Braves and Phillies are kind of comparable, uh, but there's this little stretch here that that the I don't want to say I assume it's a cakewalk because. As we did see, uh, you know, the, the Braves did lose a game Saturday to the Nationals, which, you know, they're not they're not free wins. But right. Um, but we know the Nationals are very depleted. We know the Marlins, even uh, as much talent as they have in the organization, they traded some away to, to for younger talent. Mm-hmm. And the Orioles are the Orioles. Right. So. So I think this little stretch could give you um, the sense that the Dodgers are excuse me, that the um, that the Braves are going to roll. And then, then they, they face the Dodgers, then they face the Yankees, then they face the Giants. And so, right. um, so I think it's kind of one of those situations where, you know, it'll, it'll, you might see, you might see Atlanta kind of pull ahead. And then, uh, and then we see that the Phillies can, can go forward because the Phillies are, Phillies are, uh, are lucky. They have six against the Diamondbacks who, who are kind of floundering. And then they face the Nationals after that. And then, right. um, you know, then they do have some challenges. You know, they do get to face the Brewers uh, and then they, but then the last few weeks of the season, the Phillies don't have that much. I would say that much to worry about. Again, you can't take them for granted, but mm-hmm. Rockies, Cubs, the Mets, the last series with the Mets, Orioles for three, Pirates for four. Then you get Braves for three. So I think that those three games against the Braves will, will kind of either shut the door in the division either way. And then yeah. the Phillies finish against the Marlins. It'd be nice if they if they could take the division with the series against the Marlins to go, because then you can call up Adonis Medina or whoever else and say, Hey, go Mauricio Yovera, you know, <laughs> get us a bunch of innings. 
Yeah, that would then, be nice. Uh, That's a pipe dream. <laughs> and get ready for the playoffs, right? Uh, uh, but, uh, but you know, I, I think that if you're comparing these schedules in the long term, uh, the, the Phillies and, and Braves are kind of kind of evenly matched. I think the Mets have the toughest one, uh, but I still give the edge, to, at least on paper. Again, you have to play mm-hmm. the game, so you don't know who's going to get hurt. I feel like the Phillies have a little bit of an edge here. Yeah, I might have been discounted. I know that the Braves haven't had a great pitching year, but they do have, you know, obviously Charlie Morton, very experienced. He's had a better second half. I know he started off a little slow. Max Fried has not had a great year, but it's not like he's been terrible. And um, Ian Anderson, same thing. Maybe not the year that a lot of people felt he was going to have, but not terrible. I mean, all three guys have ERAs under four, so that's pretty good. I mean, I mean, gives them a good one, two, three. Their bullpen has not been very good all year. Um, but they're still they're still starting they're, Kyle Muller. Like for for the Phillies, have that black hole. Kyle Muller's he's two and four, four seventeen ERA. He yeah, only made it out. Could, also couldn't make it out of the third. Uh, right. You know, so so that's an issue there. Smiley's been the, arguably their best starter, <laughs> but you you got to figure he's going to come down to come down to earth at some point, right? Yes, but then do you also then give the assumption that either one of Freed or, or Anderson is, is going to, you know, pick it up a little bit. Maybe they, they could have their moments. They could come up big for a game. You know, I, I, you know, they, they, they are, they, you know, they I, don't discount that young talent. Right. So, um, right. But, but Morton and Smiley have, have really been keeping them going, which, uh, which is, which is amazing considering they sign these two old free agent pitchers and you think, well, you know, that's, <laughs> <laughs> uh that that that'll 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 be their their Achilles heel but no they they're, they're they're hanging in and they're they're pitching pretty well i mean i, I remember the Phillies saw uh smiley at one point he had a 6 ERA and he pitched pretty well that start but then um right. but then since then he's kind of been he's kind of been uh, pretty good yeah yeah no that's true i they you you cannot discount the Braves they're they're in it even without acuña so let me just take a quick look if i can see how uh Smiley in the month of July, uh, he was a 333 ERA, June 284 ERA, August in his two starts, four and a half. Uh, but I will say this, he's given them, he's given them, I actually averaged in, in uh, July under five innings a start. So, so the thing about the Smiley starts is if you can get him out of there after five innings, you can, you can go work on that Braves bullpen, which, which isn't that wonderful. Correct. That's, that's going to be their downfall. Of course, you could also say that about the Phillies. Yeah. <laughs> well, the Braves actually released Shane uh, Green, who, mm-hmm. you know, who was supposed to give them a uh, a boost. Yep. Um, Sean Will Newcomb, Smith has not been great either. No, Sean Newcomb's in the minors. Uh, they had. To, I, they had I always liked down. him, Frank. I really yeah. thought Newcomb was going to be a good p- pitcher for them. Yeah, you, you have uh, likes of Tuki Toussaint still hanging around, who <laughs> uh, never seemed to get it together for them, right? But, uh, but yeah. So the, this 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 is. Uh, this, I think this is winnable for the Phillies. I know it's mm-hmm. not, again, you got to execute, right? So um, comparing schedules does absolutely nothing because we've seen last year and other years, well, last year they could have won one game in that final series and made the playoffs and they didn't. So, right. Uh, so is this team going to have a, a September swoon? I, test that. I don't know. I, I really don't know. You, you're talking about the Phillies. Are they going to mm-hmm. have a swoon? I, I don't think so. I think, if anything, they may they may not win the division, but they may have more of a 500 September uh, than a swoon. I don't see them falling out of it, though. All right. So it's, it's nice to have some relevant baseball to talk about, Jeff. I mean, we, 
I'll say I started. I, I guess I started uh, this, covering this team on the radio at 2016. Uh-huh. And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll suck up and get. The, I can. I can deal through these bad years. I can deal with walking into the clubhouse and seeing Cedric Hunter <laughs> and David Lowe <laughs> and uh, Manny Burris, and uh, you know, just knowing that someday that they would be better. <laughs> but it's taken a while. But uh, could this be the year? Well, I mean, look, I mean, if the, if, if the playoffs weren't expanded, right, then we wouldn't even be. I mean, yeah, we'd be talking about maybe they can still win a division, but it's not like we would think that they go very far. Still not sure that even winning the division, they are going to go far, but there's always that you never know. And plus, you, you got to start somewhere. So, yeah, I mean, after so many years of not making the playoffs, of being you know below 500 after collapsing in September so many times under Kapler, I think it does at least plant a seed of excitement for, you know, this franchise moving forward uh, to at least be above 500, play meaningful September baseball, maybe win the division. And then I think it's going to be a fascinating offseason for Dombrowski to see how he can change kind of the culture, the scouting, uh, the, the, the minor league culture, replenish it, but also keep this as much intact and so that they can come back next year and try to build on whatever they do this year. That's that's a difficult thing to do. I think they've got enough to be able to do it. Just we'll have to see. Hey, they make the playoffs and you start Zach Wheeler, Aaron Nola. You, you got a shot to, to advance, shot. right? That's right. That's Even right. against the good teams, So they can hang with them. Uh, you know, of course, Kyle Gibson's in there and, and he won't he won't get blown up. Right. So I so said the Phillies, the Phillies, you, you never know. So I, I don't like to overthink when they get to the playoffs, you know, even <laughs> even when the Eagles had their Super Bowl run right as underdogs, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to overthink this. I'm just going to enjoy it. Right? Go. I'm going to try to just sit go. back and watch the games and try to enjoy them. Right. You know, so right. so but you can't sit back and try to enjoy playoff games until you get there. Right. So, yes, yes. <laughs> now, but listen, I think the big takeaway right now for, for offensive is you like how Bryce is carrying the team. He tends to be streaky. So you just kind of hope that this thing goes for for a couple of weeks again. All right, so final word. The Phillies make the playoffs. Can't we do this later? Do uh, all right, fine. now I'll say yes. I'll say yes. Okay, I'm I'm also I'm also at this point thinking that they can they can pull this off. But games to be played. Hopefully, people are healthy. Hopefully, their bullpen gets healthy. But we'll check back next week, Jeff. Hopefully, hope hopefully they'll still be in it, right? Hey, we got our fingers crossed. All right, well. Thanks for joining us. This has been the Powder Blue Podcast. Frank Lose, Jeff Mosher. We will catch you next time.